Hello, and welcome to the Radical Thoughts Podcast. In this bonus episode, Andrew and I revisit Franco Moretti to examine his more recent work on distant reading. We chose to revisit Moretti because we ended our discussion of his book noting that it didn't tell us a whole lot about his contemporary approach, and finding a guest would have been a little bit awkward since most of the people that would be connected to Moretti's work would be connected through this new approach, this digital humanities, distant reading, statistical methods approach to dealing with literature. So we wanted to sit down and read more about this and compare it to what we read in Science Taken for Wonders. I hope that you enjoyed this discussion and find it interesting. We'll have a couple more bonus episodes out while we're on break before we return with set two. And let's get started with the conversation. So I also had a little skim of uh, two main pieces where he's talking about the great unread. So there's that piece on uh, conjectures on world literature and the slaughterhouse of literature, where I think that's uh, that's where he's starting to uh, propose a project of uh, distant reading and um, use computational methods in a more central way. I think it's interesting to note how the one piece we read that tries to contextualize and then extend the history of what could be called distant reading notes that Moretti kind of becomes the face of it due to an almost polemical stance against close reading. But he also said that the piece also emphasizes that part of the problem is that really all that distance reading points out is just that there's an entire way of conceiving of literature over long periods and distances that just can't be found in close reading, but that doesn't really have anything to do with close reading being inadequate as an act of reading or of talking about literature per se. And it seems that um, the term distant reading is a bit of a misnomer when it comes to what Moretti is trying to describe in these pieces, because the the notion of distance suggests that he's doing this large sort of uh, uh, sociology of literature survey of um, uh, long periods, whereas it's kind of what he's trying to do is uh, doing a sort of a macroscopic and a microscopic study of literature. He wants to read beyond the text to the, the the small devices that operate within the, the, the text itself um, and other texts uh, like it and genre. So he, he, he wants to get away from the text into these two different themes of device and genre, and he finds that uh, computation, the kind of computational methods that he puts out are much more effective in capturing uh, these and testing hypotheses. He specifically talks about how in literary studies in general, there's a proclivity to talk about trends, you know, trends in literature, trends in art, trends in culture. 
And one of his kind of key arguments is that really the the point at which trends become visible is at such a large scale of samples that you really need to try and turn to these bigger statistical methods that are particularly well suited for computational technologies if you want to make trends to to make claims about trends at social levels in literary history and see if they're actually visible and to really try and find a way of seeing if a claim like there was a trend towards this in literature at this time is really you know viable or not and i think he's not unconvincing at that he's actually still quite readable in many respects when he's doing this kind of data analysis there's another piece i think the first piece i read by moretti was when i got my first print issue of new left review they had one by him which was basically a review of the way that people use graphs to try and talk about things and it was basically a a, a, a you know a sociology statistical studies 101 of being like well sometimes we like to resort to saying oh look this graph shows this but if you rearrange it in a different way sometimes it actually means something else depending on what you know variables you're emphasizing or something like that and i thought oh this guy's like actually pretty good it's not just super dry analytical like numbers and stuff he was making a much more profound point about kind of thinking about culture and how we represent it that said, it is still a little bit like it's just a little bit weird because in some of his pieces, you feel like the point is constantly referring back to how effective these methods are and less about what they actually tell you about the texts analyzed. Um, so it's kind of hard to see sometimes where the conclusions are about like what this really shows us about literature other than showing how much he can do with the methods he's proposing uh, in terms of just sampling overall. Oh, I, I think that one of the throwaway lines in the Ted Underwood piece that we read on the, the genealogy of uh, distant reading about how um, sociologists can set out a paper that's talking about the problem and the methods and the application of it in an experiment and then the conclusions, whereas literary critics have a duty or obligation to be kind of interesting and uh, have a kind of more idiosyncratic approach to their uh, projects. So I felt that Moretti, in most of the pieces that I read where he's exploring this domain of distant reading it is trying too hard to be interesting um and i think that this allows him to adopt a certain kind of candor there is that the the roads to rome piece where he's trying to figure out how to um reconcile hermeneutics like the, 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 the sort of uh, close readings of the text with uh, uh, quantification um, and at a certain point is like I I really wanted to do it but it just didn't work out um, and there is no way for each of these different approaches to intervene in the other but 
we could probably find out a way for them for them to uh, sit alongside each each other. And I think I, 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 just to make an additional point, I think that there is a uh, danger in perhaps well, I, I, Underwood attends to this. There is a danger of seeing uh, a question of distant reading as purely polemical. Of you've got to be a close reader, or you've got to be a distant reader. And if you're not a distant reader, then you're just like this nerdy deconstructionist. Um, and, but I think that Moretti is honestly trying to explore how you can do how you might be able to do both um, productively. But I don't, I don't think at some points he recognizes that this is impossible. But I, I, I think there's still that aspiration there. Yeah, uh, you still get these kind of nods to some of the stuff that we read in his book stylistically and he'll he'll still kind of make a reference to like in lacanian terms or you know something like that which would which would seem out of place if he if he didn't have some sort of interest in that hermeneutics in that kind of what the close reading is related to and you you get the sense that maybe the two big things that he's really trying to draw on traditionally to, to incorporate into his approach is he's trying to draw on the anal school concept of long durée, and then he's also trying to apply maybe in a more metaphoric fashion things from evolutionary theory. I think that the um, broader theory that informs his uh, approach in distant reading is probably world systems theory, but I think that's more related to how he tries to apply it to understandings of world literature and the canon. Yeah, that's true. The canon debate part, that's true. I just know, I, I, I usually see him in, when I was going through the uh, YouTube clips I could find of him talking for the, the little intro segment, uh, he, he would constantly make recourse to some quote from Anal's school about like, oh gosh, what is it? Something about cabbages that I always thought was weird that he would bring up. Like, we know a lot about these great thinkers, but we don't know a lot about how many people were buying cabbages or something like that. Indeed, yeah. It's a kind of history... Well, I mean, it's probably a bit unfair to characterize it as history from below because there's more to it, but it is a history from below and a history without events. Uh, so trying to cut out those momentous events and the um, uh, the venerated figures to perhaps try and uh, pick out an image of everyday life. And it is what Moretti is trying to do for the the great unread is well, which is his term for all of the uh, books and texts that generally don't get canonized or taught in literature departments or remembered, is try to recapture um, the everyday literature or kind of mundane literature or sort of pulp literature and see how they affected the emergence of genres and devices. So he's looking for the cabbages of literature, maybe. <laughs> 
Right. It's it, it brings into what we were we were wondering about, which is does he really have that rigorous of a, a concept of what like the unread, the uncanonized yeah, yeah, yeah. um is, or is he really which kind of gets you into the the statistical question of sampling because mm-hmm. that's such an open ended, you know, population in 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 statistical terms of just anything that we don't consider canon. That like how you actually try and sample that in order to represent trends beyond well re- certain well recognized texts. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's hard to know exactly what he means uh, and proposes to do with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think I can't remember whether this is in one of the <clears throat> articles that we read or one of the other ones that I picked up, but he um, does this when looking at uh, one of the texts by Arthur Conan Doyle and the function of the clue as a uh, device in the Sherlock Holmes stories and how this device was either lacking in what he calls Conan Doyle's rivals, which I think he defines somehow as uh, his contemporaries who were writing in the sort of same uh, genre, but just weren't as uh, good as Conan Doyle. Um, and it does seem like this great un... He can only grapple with the great unread insofar as they relate to canonical texts. And so it, it, it feels like the... His whole notion, his whole notion of the great unread, is premised on the idea of the the canon that he's trying to dispel. Well, it, it's sort of like if you go, we should consider what other people were writing other than H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, and how H.P. Lovecraft is in this much broader pulp movement and weird fiction, but but a lot of what you're you're going to do to discern that is you're going to go, what were the magazines that H.P. Lovecraft was getting published in? Mm-hmm. Um, and then already relate it to like their, their stance and in, and what he, you know, claimed to be inspired by. And then what other people were claiming to also be drawing on uh, the piece that we read that's, that's covering this tradition in a broader way almost brings in a complicating factor. It doesn't realize when it, argues that figures like Raymond Williams and so on were kind of already attempting to do stuff like this mm-hmm. because of, for example, Raymond Williams' use of key words and his constant refrains to, like, trying to say, this term really appears at this point. Mm-hmm. This is the first reference to it, and here's how the many references to this word build up in different ways. I think that it kind of points to maybe... Moretti overstates his case about the use of his tools and the confidence with which he asserts like his place in this movement as like this is what we're doing now. And and I think it's also interesting how the the other book that is mentioned in this this overview of what could be called an expand, expanded or underground history of distant reading is the one from the 1990s on romance. Mm-hmm. literature is conducted through surveys of readers so it's not just a historical you know 
sampling of a bunch of text that's it's an explicit attempt to say we're going to go and try and understand how readers are responding to things rather than just talking about ideology or something in some vague way and then projecting it in its effects into some idealized audience mm -hmm. um which in some ways seems a lot more fascinating to me than kind of some of the trends that Moretti tries to pick out where he still doesn't seem to grapple all that much with readers as subjects in that way, which is hard to do historically, obviously, but like, I don't know, maybe his book on the bourgeoisie or something has a little bit more on the readerly side, but it, it, it kind of feels like he's just, he doesn't really seem to me to have a very clear grasp of what, uh, or, or a statement about what the actual cultural analytic like point is really supposed to be mm. other than like reiterating that this is a super powerful tool that lets you examine a lot of data. Indeed. I feel that he fails to live up to his promise in those attempts to understand or, or recover or redeem the, the great unread, but I think that he has other applications for, you know, these computational methods or forms of distant reading that are significantly more modest and actually probably a little bit more um, useful. For, for, for instance, uh, the, the, what he accomplishes in the article that we read on um, operationalizing, where he is looking at the the concept of uh, character space. The concept of character space is the uh, uh, amount of words devoted to particular characters in each uh, in any literary text, and he points out that this is a a bit of a flawed concept because you can't really distinguish which words belong to which characters, even if a line is referring to a particular character, it may have more to do with the perceptions of another character. And so, and so it, 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 he's complicating these different concepts, and he says, okay, we'll need to put the idea of character space in relationship to... Um, other factors like the the links between text, or well, actually, let me just step back a moment and say that he says we can't do this with prose. Character space doesn't work with prose. Let's look at drama instead. And he uses his methods to count the number of uh, uh, words that are spoken by each character. Then uh, has a look at the number of words that's spoken about particular characters to see the uh, to, to, to see if he can shed any light on uh, different kinds of relationships between characters. And he also has a, a number of uh, excellent graphs to display these different relationships. And uh, he says that you know well, he points out that forms of operationalization can uh, perhaps uh, challenge like the received knowledge of literary criticism when it comes to figuring out the idea of the protagonist uh, in tragedy, for instance, that uh, 
uh, it, that if we in literary criticism gets you know various ideas from Hegel, and he suggests that these forms of operationalization can just uh, offer a unique chance to rethink the categories of literary study. Um, so, uh, w w w whereas um, the efforts to incorporate or investigate the the great unread are part of that project in distant reading of well but, but part of the sort of uh, the macroscopic level of distant reading um i think that his work on the microscopic or the or devices or uh can help to just i i guess refresh literary categories or m m maybe refute ones that don't seem to operate so well which i mean I, it's it's a kind it's a, a necessary form of disciplinary housework uh it's kind of like a, a a hoover or something like that the thing is is that you kind of feel like going into hearing about this distant reading thing that's that he proposes you kind of feel like you're going to get some kind of bigger theory mm -hmm. of sociology and literature yes. and it really just seems to be a lot a sequence of interventions that are almost really just commentaries on statistical method and its mm -hmm. complication when trying to to deduce historical or social trends mm -hmm. with the specific case being literature which it, it, i think that he's quite good at uh, the, the the part that i actually like reading from him is that he he doesn't fall into he actually doesn't fall into the trap of being like oh well if we just count up the number of uses of this word and draw you know um uh, a regression analysis then we understand something right he's he's actually quite good at being like no you actually have to develop a, a social context for this you have to consider you know how the the words are framed in the line by line analysis that you sometimes can't develop from this kind of like a general example you might have is something like this word keeps showing up, but maybe this word has a different meaning in this context and this context, like mm -hmm. like stuff like that. He's quite good at that, but it it seems weird to feel like there's like you know like distant reading. Yeah, yeah. It's it's coming over the horizon. It's going to change <laughs> literary studies, and then it like I just didn't really quite get like a a feeling that he was really trying to propose this this real copernican revolution um in the way that it, it it seems framed it felt more like it was just kind of a nice intervention in certain forms of methodology that aren't aren't heavily emphasized or that maybe can be misapplied mm -hmm. I, and yeah I, I think that's totally true um and that's what that's why i said that it, it seems like a the, the term distant reading is really a uh, is really a misnomer for Moretti's work because it doesn't uh, quite line up with the other projects of distant reading that uh, Underwood discusses in his article. I mean, when I'm trying to think of probably the uh, the most well, not necessarily influential, but like the the, the 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 examples that spring to mind when I think about distant reading, it would either probably be something like uh, Raymond Williams' *The Long Revolution*, or maybe even uh, Bordeaux's uh, paper on the intellectual field and the creative project, where it seems like there is um, there, there is no 
it, 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 in neither piece there is not uh, an emphasis on uh, the microscopic, even though the, it, it's um, it, it can vary from scale to scale. There's, a, there's an effort to, to do a psychological examination of how uh, literature or um, how, how certain literary groups or certain schools of uh, thought can be characterized or studied or what what what, what is their a place within you know uh, longer periods or within you know larger social formations yeah i think that it, it it's a, it again it kind of comes down to that those are both figures who are very preoccupied with the relationship of trends of cultural expression Mm-hmm. And the relationship between cultural producers and the people that are on what might be called the quote receiving end of culture, mm-hmm. and what exactly that means in terms of how values are expressed, how values are imparted or or passed down, how people understand and relate to current conditions or like contemporary their contemporary conditions, and. Williams is using a lot of kind of what you might call like philology um, and these kind of historical readings. And then Bordeaux is someone who's doing, you know, he he's also actually using like statistical methods in some cases, but their, their primary focus is usually on trying to show what the actual conditions of the social time are and how people are navigating it. And I don't know that Moretti really goes into that so much in these pieces, which is a shame in part because of what we read in his first book. And, you know, who knows, because I I can't quite say, because maybe some of his other full-length books go more into trying to construct specific historical periods. As I said, he has a book just called The Bourgeoisie on the Representation and expansion of bourgeois kind of culture um and as a class so maybe he does it there but it again it feels like a lot of his work is just reiterating why he thinks this is important and reiterating the method without really going too much into what the results reveal Aye. do you see a continuity between signs taken for wonders and this later work because i, I don't know i mean i mean I just really think he still seems very interested in the development of rhetorical forms and also genres but i feel like the the, the conclusions or the provocations that he made in signs taken for wonders are often more Im- impressive but that that might just be because he's uh writing more persuasively in science taken for wonders but um, do, 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 do you think that there's a continuity between that early work and and this work and do you think that the ambitions that you set out in science taken for wonders are fulfilled in the later work or was he better at fulfilling them in that text, the text that we that we read? 
I, I, I feel like that was uh, a, a, a three-headed hydra of a, of a question. So, well, I, uh, I think you're I, right. Answer which head you want for the the thing that connects them. I think is you're right that like his primary concern seems to be trying to develop a way of talking about how there are genres or perhaps. Uh, yeah, like rhetorical trends or devices that show up, and he's trying to kind of make real theses about what these are. And the I think that they're also, both of these approaches are quite similar insofar as we find them kind of lacking at the point of where they proclaim to be some sort of sociological cultural intervention or descriptor. I think mm -hmm. that we felt very dissatisfied at the end of the day with how science for take science taken for wonders were really interesting close readings of texts and it would make these general historical claims, but they never really got into the actual conditions of the times and places of certain things. Like what like what the closest was probably the one that we liked the most, I think, which was the horror stories one with Frankenstein and Dracula. Mm -hmm. But even then, it was mostly just kind of generalizations <laughs> where he would just kind of say, like, cultural, like, uh, uh, monopoly capital is happening at this time. And so they're worried about it. And it becomes expressed in this form. But he didn't really, like, try and actually talk about, like, what it was like in London or in, in Germany for someone living there. And I think that this approach... Now, with distant reading, perhaps perhaps does a better job at intervening at these rhetorical genre trends. But I think that it still doesn't really elucidate that sociocultural studies bit that was proclaimed in the subtitle of Sociology of Literary Forms. I think that that is still not connecting, even though it's a way of talking about these things in a much broader, much wider historical and and geographical and textual frame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that we've only read uh, scattered uh, New Left review pieces for this episode, but it seems like he's lacking a well, a general theory, but a well. I'd, let's put it that way: he's lacking a general theory of literature that he expressed in *Signs Taken for Wonders*, as he saw literature as having a particular social uh, function of perhaps perhaps compensating for the forms of you know repression that uh, accompany different. Uh, social formations, or you know, or compensating for this uh, split in society that occurred with the you know, downfall of absolutism or, or feudalism, and it doesn't seem like he has that grand theory of literature here. That might be the case. This might be the case because he's complicated his idea of literature with. Um, 
a, a greater emphasis on you know world literature and its relationship to uh, world systems theory and thinking about different national literatures outside of the uh, relatively narrow uh, Western European and American canon that he favoured in that early work. Um, but it, 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 it's once again this might just be a consequence of the fact that we read relatively scattered articles but it does seem like a much more his project of distant reading seems much more fragmentary and i don't think that you could ever really unify it into a uh general theory of literature in the same way that he did with his study of rhetorical forms and signs taken for wonders again i think that partially what's just frustrating is that it feels like he's kind of just reiterating the same point yeah without showing how this point operates in application. Like, it's it's never foregrounding the importance of its discovery with a set of texts. The importance of it is that it shows why this method is important. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it feels weirdly self-referential throughout. Yeah, I, I agree with that characterization of these... Um pieces they are, they are much more interested in the methods than the the text and i think that part of what's kind of weird is that you know the statistical methods for history and 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 data analysis methods are really useful and interesting but part of the problem is that with like this kind of stuff unless you're in a certain particular kind of kind of field you you can make testable hypotheses to an extent but you can't really make like predictions or anything mm -hmm. for the most part in in the way that most people think of it so it's a little so he doesn't really ever seem that interested in trying to make like much of a claim about what this means for like contemporary readers or like general cultural statements he just kind of seems to be like and thus we can say this kind of thing happened <laughs> Which I mean, that's part of what history is, but like, it 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 kind of seems to resolve down to a not super intriguing way of just saying that's what this is. So be it. That's for sure, folks. Um, what do you think would be a better way of um, fulfilling Moretti's ambitions? Because I think we, that we've judged that he doesn't quite get there but i'm wondering how you would go about studying the great unread or whether there are um other theorists or critics that accomplish this task a bit better i, I think we you mentioned earlier that uh, that the janice redway book on reading the romance that does go into the the, the genre of the romance novel and uh, um, challenges the, I guess, um, the fairly widely held um, notion that romance novels are pure uh, vehicles for uh, patriarchal ideology. Um, and she, she engages in these uh, surveys and I think interviews in the text to uh, provide a much more uh, uh, nuanced um, portrait of the readership of uh, romance novels. I think that, that, that this is one instance of 
um, trying to account for the the great unread. Um, I think there is a um, I'm forgetting the, the the surname of the person now, but there's this book called uh, Outsider Theory: uh, Intellectual Histories of Unorthodox Ideas that takes the the, the various sort of like uh, books of pseudo archaeology and pseudoscience and all of those sorts of uh, texts and um, studies them as, as studies them as theoretical texts. So I get uh, it's a sort of uh, uh, I guess a repurposing of uh, what would be seen as disposable texts, all the great unread texts, and turning them into uh, uh, texts of uh, interest. Um, I, could, I, could, I think that there's something a bit sort of uh, too folksy about that project, but uh, it's still an interesting approach to the this this mass of the the great unread. Uh, that's pro- that, that that is a little uh, a bit more engaging than well, not engaging. Uh, it, it's an alternative approach to what what Moretti is trying to do. I think that in part. What is more interesting is perhaps less the great unread. It's just the accumulation of all these books and things that we don't really think about. And it's more interesting to think about what the response of readers was to these things. Like it's more about the great, you know, the mass of unknown readers that's more interesting to me. Aye. And I think that has more clear, perhaps, implications if you're trying to make things that have some sort of social, cultural, or even political relevance in terms of thinking about what do people actually try to engage with or resonate with, mm-hmm. how, and especially that aspect of breaking down overgeneralized claims about things like ideology that just really come from what you know Bourdieu would call it the scholastic you know fallacy or something like this idea of like well you just have the theorists in in their study and they read these things and they say this is an expression of the social blah 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 in this way and therefore the average reader will incorporate this worldview into them um rather than having any actual way of of analyzing the response between how these things circulate to readers, how readers actually view them and think about them and talk with them and and react to them and so on. Like, I, I think that's really a more interesting like way that this can interact. I think that what, what, what's dissatisfying to some extent is that it almost feels like distant reading is really just something that gets applied inside of other gr- bigger projects. I don't, I know that he has, that Moretti has his, his special digital humanities, like, I don't know what you would call it, uh, like a research group at one of his universities or whatever. So it, it is kind of its own project, but I just don't really see what it's... It, it, it feels more like it's just emphasizing a collection of methods than really being like its own thing for itself that's trying to achieve like specific goals. And I think that where I... Well, another point that I like from the Ted Underwood piece is that these are all uh, that all all the projects that can be 
refer to as distant reading are just uh, a bunch of disparate attempts rather than um, a set of discernible methods. I think that Moretti, as he you know, coins the term of distant reading, is trying to constrain it to a certain amount of methods. Uh, and that, that can be grouped under the, 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 the term distant reading, but also the digital humanities. Um, it's odd, it's odd. I almost don't know why it was so controversial as this huge concept of like a, a big intervention in literary work. I think I, I, I think it was it must have just been a kind of provocative stance against deconstructionists. I mean, he, he has uh, various caustic phrases such as uh, this is from the slaughterhouse of literature um where, where he calls deconstructionism a secularized theology that is radiated from the cheerful town of new haven over the whole field of literary studies um and of course there the, 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 there is the the famous phrase from paul de man of uh, closer reading to um suggest that you know, uh, the, the new criticism, which was, you know, uh, the school that was, uh, the, the school of literary criticism that was most taught to undergraduates in America in the 1950s, uh, that was referred to as, as close reading. Demand is like, no, deconstructionism is closer reading. Um, and, and Moretti is, um, the, the, the very use of the term distant reading is, um, even if Underwood suggests that it's unfair to take it polemically, it, it, it is a polemical stance. And I think it's largely like the, the part of it that must have just been uh, controversial was it's sort of anti deconstructionism rather than uh, anything novel about the um, the aim of the projects or the the nature of the methods. You definitely get the sense too from the other piece that it it's partially just like the whole you know is there a Western canon or whatever kind of thing that pops up every once in a while, which I think it's it's admiral of Mar of Moretti to be making this attempt to use like this kind of world systems theory way of talking about all this non Western non classicalized literature, but I don't know how much of his method here really like unveils the importance of these cultures or, or, you know, like, like to some extent, like, isn't it actually a bit more powerful to just maybe tell people like, these are the specific titles of works like from outside of this, that people could be reading rather than just making a statistical point about like many different texts that aren't like specified. Yeah, I'm out here, so I, I don't know what would be the right way to go about it uh, necessarily. I mean, I, 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 I think you're right that it is more interesting to um, look at how uh, different forms of uh, readership were developed and maintained, and you know, various communities of uh, of, of readers and how they did um, receive. A certain texts or certain genres of texts, um, but I don't, I don't think that. I mean, Moretti doesn't 
want to. Is it? Is it? It's, it's, it seems like he wants to go there, but he, he, he won't go there. Um, and there are just large lists of the uh, uh, the the texts of the great unread that he does uh, uh, write, especially in the in, in in the slaughterhouse of uh, literature piece. And you're right. It would, be, it would be more interesting to. I don't know. I don't know what point I'm trying to make. I think I'm kind of dry when it comes to Moretti now. Yeah, it, I think that at the end of the day, like one of my issues is that it doesn't really tell me like why I should enjoy reading other things. It just kind of just keeps these things consolidated to the great on red and like now you have the statistical model of why these things tell us a bunch of stuff about what people were reading um but it doesn't really give me any insight into like what i should be doing as a reader or to like open up my horizons of cultural uh input you know mm-hmm. well it'd be much more interesting to read Histories of the great, well, what he calls the great unread, than to hear all of this hand waving at the beginning of each of his papers, and then says, "Here's a method. We're gonna do this method, and we'll 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 see what comes out of it, and uh, test various hypotheses uh, with it." Um, and and so I I feel like he does fail to capture uh, any kind of. To capture any sense for the long durée that he's trying to uh, uh, get when he applies these methods to his sort of investigations of of of, of genre or uh, uh, I guess of texts that were popular in the day in, in like the late nineteenth century, but uh, largely forgotten now. Um, I want to get. I mean, he's. It does seem like a lot of the terms that he uses are misnomers to a certain extent. I mean, the, the distant reading is a bit of a misnomer. We've gone through that, but also the great unread is also a misnomer because it's just the great unread is the, the is a text that people in literary departments aren't reading right now, but at the time were. Uh, read quite extensively and popularly, pop- popularly, uh, and so it's like if it's not like these sort of r- 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 uh, rare, undiscovered texts, but really just texts that were part that 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 were the cabbages. And you know, I'm, 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 I don't I don't think he gets into you know the people buying these books or the people buying the you know the the yeah you know, the cabbages of literature. Um, which is I would, which I, I I would assume would be the best place to start, but he he never seems to get there. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of the Radical Thoughts podcast. If you are interested in what we were discussing, you can find links to the essays that we read in the show notes. This includes a selection of essays by Franco Moretti from New Left Review, as well as another essay that we read titled A Genealogy of Distant Reading by Ted Underwood from the Digital Humanities Quarterly. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. 
We'll have some more bonus content coming out in the future before we start set two with Politics of Modernism by Raymond Williams. We hope that you'll join us next time. 